to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Back this morning, we're going to be back in the book of Judges. Uh, Judges chapter 12 is where we're going to pick up. Last week, we talked about Jephthah, and Jephthah was getting ready to go out to battle. He had done everything that he could uh, to appease the king of Ammon, to avoid the conflict, and uh, figured out that it was time that he needed to fight. And then as he was leaving, Jephthah made a vow, and he vowed that if the Lord brought him back safely, he would uh, sacrifice as a burnt offering whatever first met him out of uh, his house, coming out of the doors of his house as he came home. And we, we joked around that maybe he thought it was going to be his wife. It was a bad joke, but um, it ended up being his daughter, his only child. And while we understand that uh, there are a lot of things wrong with what Jephthah did, uh, that there are a lot of ways that Jephthah could have, had he been walking with the Lord the way that he should have been and knowing and understanding who God truly is, he would have been able to avoid all of that. One, he wouldn't have made the vow. He would have understood that God loved them and God wanted to deliver them. But two, he would have also understood the redemption process. But because that didn't happen and all of this, we ended up having uh, his daughter, his only child, sacrifice herself. And what a great picture um, that was of our Lord and Savior as we celebrated the Christmas season. This week, we're going to continue on. And we're going to see is what often does, uh, we have these mountaintop moments where we have just great victory in the Lord and the Lord shows up and does something miraculous and we feel like we're on top of the world and nothing can, nothing can, uh, can change that. And then the next step, we tumble down the cliff and end up back in the valley in the shadow of death. And Jephthah, he's already been there because his daughter is... Uh, has come out and he's had to sacrifice her and all of these things. He's gone from this great uh, miraculous experience to mourning uh, the loss of his daughter that he sacrificed unto the Lord. And now he's going to return into Israel and, um, well, let's just say misery loves company. And uh, it, he's just going to feel like he's going to get piled on. So we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse number one. The Bible says, And the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said unto Jephthah, Wherefore passest thou over to fight against the children of Ammon, and didst not call us to go with thee? We will burn thine house upon thee with fire. And Jephthah said unto them, I and my people are at great strife with the children of Ammon. And when I called you, you delivered me, you delivered me not out of their hands. And when I, excuse me, when I saw that you delivered me not, I put my life in the, my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon. And the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore then are ye come up unto me this day to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they, had, they said, Ye Gileadites are fugitive of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. 
And the Gileadites took the passage of Jordan before the Ephraimites, and it was so that when the Ephraimites, which were escaped, said, Let me go over unto them, art thou an Ephraimite? If he said nay, or sorry, let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto him, Art thou an Ephraimite? If he said nay, then said they unto him, Say now, Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. Then they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan, and there fell at the time of the Ephraimites forty and two thousand. And Jephthah judged Israel six years, then died Jephthah the Gileadite, and was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. Let's pray. Father God, again, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you uh, that we are closing out 2023 and beginning 2024 tomorrow. Lord, I pray as we look at the story of Jephthah, as we look at uh, the children of Israel and see their walk with you, Lord, that we would be inspired in 2024 to walk closer to you each and every day, that we would purpose in our hearts daily to serve you. So God, please guide us and direct us today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said earlier, misery loves company. Jephthah has had this great victory and now uh, he's had to sacrifice his daughter. And as he returns back to take the throne that was promised to him to rule over Israel, the men of Ephraim come out and they're ready for a fight. They're upset. They're mad because Jephthah left them out of all the glory. And Jephthah got the glory. Uh, because as he's told them. They're mad because he didn't call them to come out. And, and to fight in the battle. But as he said. You saw that we were in distress. You saw that we were hurting. You saw that we were being taken advantage of. And yet you failed to do anything about it. I do want to remind you of. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. is one of my favorite verses in the, the introduction we were reviewing last week and understanding that Jephthah had some options, that he didn't have to be in this low estate because God had already made the plan for redemption. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13, the Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may, may be able to bear it. This verse has been hugely important in my life as I've dealt with things of my past and uh, as I've walked and filtered my life trying to serve God. But so many times people read through this verse and they say, well, God's made a way, so I'm not going to be tempted. And that's not the case. The verse clearly says that temptations are going to come. It also clearly says that God has already made a way for you to escape the temptation. What people don't understand is you have to take the way. You have to choose. That's where verses like James 4.8 come in. James 4.8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But it also says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That's how you draw nigh to God. You humble yourself. As verse number 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. The kids and I 
Abby and Wyatt and Josiah went along for the ride, but uh, we went out driving on Friday and um, was giving Wyatt directions on how to get where we were going, and uh, he's not understanding simple directions yet, but he's getting there. But the thing is, as we were going down the highway, we knew, I knew where we were going. He knew where we were going, and he knew there were several ways to get there because that path has already been laid out. The exits are already there. The other roads are already there. The places we can turn, the places we can stop. It's just, if you want to get where you're going, you have to take the right exit. Jephthah didn't understand where he was going, and he didn't take the right exit. He didn't use that opportunity that was already given to him. <clears throat> but if we get back to where we are today, Ephraim didn't use the opportunity that was presented to them to go and to help, to be a blessing. I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't. Um, let me look it up real quick. Ephraim knew what they needed to do and yet refused. I have a Bible software on all of my devices that I love to use because I can type in uh, little phrases and it usually um, gives me the verse that I'm looking for if I can remember what the words are. Jesse, you've quoted this verse several times. Um, what? The verse that says, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. Okay, sorry. Huh, that's why. It was the verse right before. James 4, 7. <clears throat> I knew it was in James. I just could not remember if it was in 4 or 5. James 4, 7. Sorry. 4, 17 says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Ephraim knew that the Gileadites were in trouble. They knew that they were hurting and being distracted, and they refused to help. God tells us that if we know to do good and we doeth it not, it's sin. If we know the escape and we refuse to take the escape, it's sin. That temptation leads to sin. And while I was teaching the kids, we, we <clears throat> were looking at defensive driving. I'm trying to teach them. I, I've had to go through several classes as a firefighter and an EMT uh, of defensive driving courses. 
And this is, if you don't know what defensive driving is, this is where you are paying attention, you're looking ahead as far as you can, and you're trying to plan for every eventuality, and you give yourself escape routes, and you know uh, if this happens, this is what I'm going to do, and, and how to, it, it helps you be prepared to react. When we were on our way to Myrtle Beach a couple of years ago, uh, right after we bought the Yukon, we were in bumper-to-bumper, three-lane traffic on the interstate, and um, somebody forced their way in, uh, merging when they shouldn't have. Merging is a right, not a it's a privilege, not a right. Um, and they cut off several people, which caused a chain reaction. And unfortunately, my brakes didn't stop our vehicle fast enough, and that's why the front end of our Yukon looks the way it is. And we rear-ended this nice uh, lady and her daughter, and. Um, Ended up, they got hurt after they got to their destination. They figured out they were hurt and had another vehicle rear-end us. But um, the problem there was I, I had nowhere to go. There was a cable barrier on this side that I could not get past her. There were cars on this side that I could not get past her. I hadn't given myself enough time and enough room. I had failed to drive defensively. I had failed to give myself that opportunity to see the exit, uh, to see the escape, and I'd failed to take it. But Jephthah here, he's mourning and he's hurting, and now all of a sudden Ephraim is coming, and they're just angry that they've let, he's been, they've been left out. They want the glory of conquer of the conquering hero without having to do the work. So many times in our lives, <clears throat> we have great and tremendous things happen, and yet. Those around us are upset. Those around us are frustrated. Or somebody else has a great miracle, a great blessing happen to them, and we're upset and we're frustrated. And it's not just the world. It's us as Christians. It's those of us that are wanting to walk and serve God every day. I remember when we were in the building ministry and uh, I joke that I've been trying to kill my truck for years. Ever since I bought it, I've been trying to destroy it. Uh, I've been praying for a better truck, and you know, every once in a while you get in your head, well, if I break this one, then God will give me a new one. That starts when you're a kid. You're like, I don't like this toy anymore, so if I break it, then my parents will get me a new one. It doesn't work that way, by the way. But we've been praying and praying and just struggling along, and, and don't get me wrong, my truck and trailer combination, while uh, absurdly overweight and not the proper thing, didn't really have any issues. Uh, we had just come through the incident in Tennessee where we about died, but God had blessed. He guided. He protected. But as I – we're in we're, – I'll start off in Texas. We're in Texas. We're in Burleson, Texas, just south of Dallas-Fort Worth, and the family that we're with – has been traveling for almost 10 years at this point. A uh, family of eight. Was it eight? They've got six kids. In a 15-passenger van with a 12-foot trailer that hauls all of their belongings. They've been staying in prophets' chambers, churches that put them up in hotels, uh, just so that they could be a blessing and help them to build. And, and they had been praying and praying about uh, getting an RV. And a missionary that was going off of deputation, getting ready to go into the field, had... Uh, contacted Brother CJ and said, you know what? We are going to give you our RV. When we, when we leave, we're going to give it to you. He said, but 
I understand that it won't work for you. It's a they it was a husband and wife with a dog compared to six people or eight people. So he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sell the RV and we're going to give you the money. And this hop happens all the time with prayer requests, with uh, a lot of things that we promise, the vows that we make, we forget. And Brother CJ just kind of took it with a grain of salt. It's like, I've met this guy once. Don't think I'll ever see him again. It was a great gesture. About six months later, while we were in Texas, Brother CJ gets a phone call and uh, from the guy wanting to know where to send the check. Didn't tell him what the amount was. And so Brother CJ told him, and they had planned to go back to their home church in Alabama for some holiday, Valentine's Day or something, I don't remember. But they were leaving to go back to Alabama. And it ended up being $28,000 that they sold the RV for. I just wrote him a check for $28,000. Praise the Lord. We we were ecstatic, rejoicing with them. So Brother CJ, while they were in Alabama, started looking for an RV, found one in Houston. Now, from Dallas, Fort Worth to Houston is quite a ways. So he's trying to get there to look at it on the way back from Alabama, but he's also trying to figure out how to get it from Houston to Dallas. So uh, he called me, and we, we tried to find a couple of tow truck companies, one that would maybe run down there and get it. It was going to be outrageously expensive. And I said, you know what, brother, just just drive up here. Or I'll just I'll just meet you down there and I'll pull it back for you. So we got got it back, got it all set up. Then we pulled it. I pulled it to Louisiana. We went to West Virginia. Had all of our trouble. Uh, turbo went out on the truck. Fuel tank almost fell off. Rear wheel almost fell off. We almost died on the interstate. Just the whole trip out there was a disaster. We almost got hit by a hurricane. Really horrible struggle. Get back to Louisiana two weeks later to help with that project. And there is a fairly new one-ton Dodge truck sitting in the church parking lot. Great. One of the men from the church is here. No, that church had got together and bought Brother CJ a new truck. So in the space of a month, they'd been given an RV. They'd been given uh, a new truck. And... I was just heartbroken. I was trying to figure out what I was doing wrong that God wasn't blessing me in that way. And I'm just being completely transparent with you because it was not a great time in our life. We we had been struggling for over a year uh, because I never do things the easy way. Um, And were just really hurting that God would bless them so much, but not bless us. And in our morning devotions with Brother CJ and the guys that were helping with the project, we talked about many, many things. But God really opened my eyes to this, that, you know, just because he's not blessing us in the same way that he's blessing somebody else doesn't mean that he's not blessing us. I mean... A week before, he had literally just guided us off the road and kept us from dying. If the rear wheel on my truck had fallen off while we were doing 70 miles an hour down the interstate, the truck would have jackknifed. Our 20,000-pound trailer would have rolled over the top of us, and we'd all be dead. And on top of that, the the guy that came to fix the truck 
on Labor Day weekend, the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, had all of the parts sitting on his workbench to fix the truck, showed up, fixed it on the side of the road, <clears throat> only charged me half of what I actually gave him, but I got to witness to him. I got to help him with a surety of his salvation. And now him and his wife, uh, they weren't married at the time. They got married and they're now attending and serving in a church in Tennessee. How could I not see those blessings? How could I not understand that God had blessed us just as much, just not the way we wanted it to wanted it to be. So here Ephraim is jealous. They're they're frustrated because they chose not to do right when they knew it was right to do. So they're in sin against God and they're jealous and upset because Jephthah succeeded and destroyed the Ammonites and saved the people. So now they're going to come and they're going to fight with Jephthah. And unfortunately, 42,000 of their men are going to die in battle with their own people. There are so many in our church today that are dying in battle with their brothers and sisters. If you feel yourself getting jealous or angry at something else that's going on and and, and you're you're trying to just you're you're just angry it, it, it's a it's a cancer that grows in us it makes us bitter it makes us spiteful it makes us destroy each other but there are a few questions that we need to ask at times like this that often will help us to understand where we stand the first one is, would this blessing be good for us? Would what's going on in somebody else's life be good for us? As I was looking at all the things that had happened to Brother White and his family, I mean, they were given thirty-five, almost $40,000. Just given. Would that have been good for us? Your first answer is yes, absolutely. That would have been great for us. But when you really look at it, it probably wouldn't have been. Because at that point in our ministry, God was working on my heart to become a pastor. That would have made me want to stay in the building ministry even more than I already did. But we were living... Day by day. I mean, when we were coming back from Tennessee, uh, we went and picked up the truck. We're having a conversation on the way to go pick up the truck because I'm going to drain the bank account to literally not enough money to put fuel in the car to give it back to the church The church secretary. She's going to have an empty tank from a car that we've been driving for a week, and she's been on a cruise. I, I didn't have enough money to put even $5 worth of gas in her car. But we were living by faith. We picked up the truck and headed back and I get a phone call from the pastor of a project that we didn't finish. We literally only got to work on for one day because it rained. 
and we had to leave because of the storm and we drove through 18 inches of standing water in the church parking lot to get out so that we could actually get out. But he had two checks for us. He had a love offering for us and he had a check for our fuel to get out there. So that blessing wouldn't have been good for us. The second question is, am I forgetting about blessings that have just happened to me? And often the answer is yes. As I got frustrated looking at that truck sitting there, I forgot about the blessings of the protection, the blessing of the two checks that we were able to to be a witness and fill up the lady's car. And, and we left that project, even though we didn't accomplish it, I don't think they've still accomplished it. We left that project with the pastor happy that we were there. We hadn't been a burden. The third is, is there something in my life that is keeping me from these blessings? And often again, that answer is yes. Often there's, as the Ephraimites here, there's some sin in our life that is keeping us from truly being able to walk with God. When we honestly answer these questions, God reveals to us that we really are far better off than we believe. But most importantly, we need to understand that we are not the center of the universe and God is giving his blessings to who he believes need them, needs them and when they need them. But we also need to understand that sometimes Satan blesses and it becomes a curse and a trial in our lives. I've often thought, and I've prayed, that I would love to have a brand new truck. I had it all picked out. And then I talked to my dad, who bought the truck that I had all picked out. Brand new. I think it had 5,000 miles on it when he bought it. And he just spent $20,000 fixing it because it needed a new fuel pump it needed all this service because now it's got 70,000 miles on it and most of that is because one very small part broke that was designed to break and it was a huge burden Ephraim desires to have the glory. But because of this, they get punished. You know, we said it before. 42,000 of the men of Ephraim died at the hand of their brothers. The Bible tells us that when we choose Christ, that it will separate us. If we choose to walk with Him, it'll pit brother against brother, father against son, mother against daughter. But it doesn't have to. Because God has already made a way for escape of the temptation.
Next week, we're going to look at a couple more judges that really, again, God says almost nothing about. <clears throat> but Jephthah judged Israel for six years, and he died and was buried in Gilead. Ephraim decided they didn't like what Jephthah was doing and 42,000 men weren't able to serve the Lord. Where do we want to be today? <clears throat> are, are we going to let... Don't get me wrong. Life is like a roller coaster. We have ups, we have downs. Oftentimes... The valleys are where we get blessed the most. When we're on the mountaintop, there's nothing there. There's no vegetation. There's no animals. There might be a few birds above your head, but there's nothing there. Nothing grows. I think about all these men that want to climb Mount Everest. and There's a spot on Mount Everest. I think it's called the Rainbow Road. And it's all these bright, bright colors. Do you know why they call it the Rainbow Road? It's because all the people that have failed to reach the summit and died are frozen there. And you can see their jackets. You can see their coats. Striving to reach the highest point on earth where there is nothing. Where their chance of survival is extremely slim. When down in the valley, it's lush and green. It's where life is. So, don't get bitter about the things that we think should belong to us. Don't get so stuck on the mountaintop experience that you miss the blessings that are all around you. As we go into 2024... It's a new year. It's a time to make adjustments, make changes. But for 2024, let's just do our best to focus on God and God's will for our lives. That church in Louisiana is where God confirmed in my heart through that pastor, through prayer and fasting, through Brother CJ, that he wanted me to pastor a church. That's a huge blessing. One that I would have missed or could have easily missed had I stayed bitter. <clears throat>